also say a toe to so. You know what? A toe to so. A fucking a toe to so. Hello and welcome to this uh, free episode of The Bottleman. It is myself, Riley, it's Dan, Hi. and we are very happy to be joined uh, by Aster, the robot from the planet Danger. Aster, how's it going? Uh, it's, 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 doing, it's going pretty good. I just reattached my arm, um, Can I do cut that? it off in a tragic um, jumping into spinning blades accident. Um, unavoidable, but it is yeah. my job, so... No. Now, Astra, I want to ask you, I want to, my, my co-host here has posed a question. Is Dan able to put his arm back on? I'm assuming no. I can if you can. Um, I no, watched no, you jump you, through you, the you blades. You you're, you're not a robot. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, you're, you're appropriating planet danger culture as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's, this is, this is something that's, after our, um, our, our smash hit, everyone's talking about it, um, uh, the uh, episode, the bonus episode we did about um, Canadian kids. P.S. Oh well, <laughs> the robot from the planet Danger has gone down again. <laughs> um, about uh, Canadian kids PSAs and their weirdness. People kept saying, "When are you going to talk about Aster, the robot from the planet Danger?" And we actually fucking got him, right? <laughs> <laughs> you people happy now? A rare interview. <laughs> I was a little bit confused at that PSA because I. How, how often do Canadian children encounter arrays of rotating blades? Um, oh, well, I, don't know. I gotta, I gotta say um, that that PSA really, uh, really hit me where it hurt because I grew up in a town that had two sawmills. Um, so, so it seemed like a possibility, maybe more of a possibility than it would for like someone who grew up in uh, the suburbs of Toronto. I, I or, guess that know. would be a situation where you might be encounter arrays of rotating blades. Yes. All right. right. I retract my comment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, growing up in Niagara on the Lake, I did not encounter arrays of rotating blades. Just uh, arrays of fantastic Cabernet Francs. Mm. Um, oh. But uh, so that was that was the uh, Aster from the planet Danger. Uh, well. However, Aster has uh, gone to jump into another array of rotating blades, um, and he's been replaced uh, by uh, Justin Rosniak from Well, There's Your Problem, who will be doing his voice for the entire time. Uh, yes. Um, I'm, uh, we, we have identical voices, actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> Aster, the robot from the planet Danger, actually got like really into, uh, <laughs> really into opiates, uh, and this is what he sounds like now that he's grown up. Um, no, um, but we are, we are, in fact... Uh, here we're very pleased to be joined by Justin, uh, and we are going to be talking a little bit about something that I think is a, a subject that we when we initially asked Twitter uh, what our enemies list should be as a show, right? A, a number of suggestions came up. Uh, the Irving family came up multiple times. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, some great Canadians. Uh, it's, uh, my research uh, uh, uncovered. Um, well, no, they've they've been behind uh, some stuff. In fact, that uh, Justin on well, there's your problem. You've discussed uh, the Lac Megantique disaster. We have, yes. Um, one one of the many one of the many um, disasters inflicted, maybe not directly by the Irving family, but um, you know, certainly influenced by. 
And uh, in, in fact, if you want to say what some disasters that are inflicted directly uh, on the people of New Brunswick by uh, the Irving family, uh, you could say the massively increased rates of cancer uh, that are suffered in uh, New Brunswick and the surrounding areas because the Irving's forestry business has decided that uh, glyphosate, is, uh, which is Roundup, basically, mm-hmm. more or less needs to be in and on everything uh, just because just in case they need to cut down a tree. Uh, well, you know, I mean, you got to do weed control somehow. Um, yeah. And just yeah, spraying it from the air or whatever they do, that's probably fine, right? There's well, no actually, I'm gonna say, Brunswick. I'm going to say if you're, uh, if you're against uh, using, uh, spraying the entirety of uh, New Brunswick and Roundup, then you're a NIMBY. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, well, I'm no, a NIMBY um, for weeds. Uh, and that's why I use Roundup. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm I'm more of a Yimby for weeds because I think that we can get like a, J- a Jack and the Giant Beanstalk situation and go get a golden harp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Dan, living a little closer to sort of Irving country, which is, uh, have you sort of run across sort of the their Malin influence at all, even just aesthetically? Yeah, well, I mean, touring across the country, you're constantly reminded of uh, Irving's like just presence here in Canada. What is it? Nine hundred Irving petrol stations, like across Canada. Yeah, that's there are quite a few. Uh, which again, not quite a few by the standards of like BP, but yeah. quite a few yeah. by the standards of like a provincial company that kind of isn't known anywhere else. They're a boutique. They're it's boutique artisanal oil. Uh, it it's it's weird because it's like a boutique industrial conglomerate. Yeah. Right, that only operates in one specific geographic area, but completely dominates industry there, just to an absurd extent. To 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 an extent you wouldn't think would be possible in a first world country. Yeah, extending right? extending all the way into as Riley, you're going to get onto, but like extending all the way into um, pseudo control over the media too. Mm. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, uh, and it, what's it's a little bit a few facts, right? There are uh, hundred. The Irvings are a pr- they've have a pride now. To many Canadian listeners, you will probably already know this, but again, the majority of our listeners are American. Uh, so welcome, yeah, welcome to Canada. Yeah. Uh, so the Irvings control a wide variety of businesses in like almost all the same industries that Amazon is in or trying to get into. <laughs> um, but no, 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 that's that's actually not not entirely true. They're controlling all of the businesses where you can like touch the thing that they make. Uh, all the they're they're trying to have a presence in everything, right? They're, they they if they're they they're everything from lumber to diaper manufacturing, but none of it big. All of it regional, but everything in the region. And um, they're, they were started as a family company and they're privately owned and all of their uh, businesses tend to work together in a vertically integrated way, which I assume is good. Um, it's to the point where they, uh, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're responsible for like over 10% of New Brunswick's GDP, just like them alone, not even counting sort of secondary and tertiary industries that feed into them. Um, and one in every 10 people in New Brunswick is employed by an Irving uh, company, which goes up to one in every four in uh, St. John. I'm not yeah. seeing a problem there. Um, and interestingly, this is from an editorial about the Irving family's uh, control and influence in New Brunswick. Irving's influential position was noted two years ago in the New Brunswick legislature 
When a bill granting wide powers of expropriation to the Irving Pulp and Paper Company came before a House Committee of Scrutiny, Harold Atkinson, a liberal, told his colleagues bluntly, New Brunswick needs Irving a great deal worse than Irving needs New Brunswick. And if you thought that it's a little bit odd that that editorial about a um, problem with the economy of New Brunswick has a slightly anachronistic sounding uh, comment in it at the end, that's because this editorial is from the 50s. (laughs) 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 This is not a new problem. It has been at the forefront of politicians' minds for decades, (laughs) the better part of a century. And um, no one seems to know what to gosh darn do about it. Um, it's been yeah, it's been a problem forever. And if anything, the province is more of a company town in the form of a province uh, now than it was in the fifties. You know, when like they, for example, have showed that there. You alluded to the fact they had control over the media, Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, they also don't just have. They, that's quite literal. They own all of the English language newspapers in New Brunswick and several of the French language ones too, I believe. And also several radio stations um, where and there have been three separate investigations. And this is all by way of introduction. There have been three separate investigations in the last 70 years about the Irving's control over the media. And boy, did they ever work. I read in the uh, Telegraph Beacon. (laughs) 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 Nope. Investigation into media monopoly uh, brings nothing to the to the table, basically. (laughs) Sorry. uh, Telegraph Journal. Excuse me. Uh, Um, Excuse me. It's actually fine. We have editorial independence. Uh, you know, that's what our bosses said, and that's what we believe. <laughs> <laughs> and so, the, and, and interestingly, the last time a uh, premier attempted to move against the Irvings was uh, Louis Robichaud, um, who backed um, the, uh, who essentially wanted to, like, diversify the industries of New Brunswick out of the hands of one sociopathic ice-chewing Scotsman. Um, <laughs> uh, Irving then had all of his papers... Uh, relentlessly attack Robichaud and back his Tory rival in the 2019 election in Britain. I'm sorry, in the 1970 election (laughs) in in, in New Brunswick and basically ousted him from power. And since then, no premier has moved against the Irvings ever. Uh, It wouldn't speak about them critically in public. And the current premier of New Brunswick, Blaine Higgs, worked for Irving Oil for 33 years. That's fine. This all seems pretty above board to me. Um, yeah, what are you, you going to do about it? Come on, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. I mean, nothing illegal happened. Um, well, that's, that is true. <laughs> uh, so, um, but instead of giving you sort of finishing off this introduction of uh, to the Irvings myself, I thought I would let um, a, uh, a, a professor uh, of, uh, an esteemed professor, a very senior professor at Université de Moncton, um, give the explanation because he has recently, a name Donald Savoy, has recently uh, released a book about the Irvings, which is quite brave to do in New Brunswick. Um, he says, through countless interviews and extensive research, award-winning author Donald J. Savoy, who is the Canada Research Chair in Public Administration and Governance at the Université de Moncton, uh, details a business success born in Bouctouche and grown from St. John, New Brunswick, which now operates Canada's largest refinery, along with more than 900 gas stations spanning eastern Canada and New England. Um, as Casey Irving says, business is never given. It has to be earned one customer at a time. My book, Thanks for the Business, traces the Irving family back to its roots in Scotland, <laughs> covers the establishment in early years of the company, and looks at how Irving Oil is confronting current challenges. 
This comprehensive biography holds important lessons for aspiring entrepreneurs, business schools, and public policy, especially for Atlantic Canada. <laughs> oh. So look. Oh, boy. <laughs> So uh, from a review in the Globe and Mail of the book, I couldn't bring myself to read the book itself. Um, basically, uh, Donald Savoy is, again, a like senior professor with an institute in public policy research also named after him at the University <laughs> of Moncton. Uh, De Moncton. Um, he says, vertical integration was, quote, more, more one of necessity than a carefully thought management theory or strategy. So he had to vertically integrate. Mm-hmm. Um, and also says that uh, uh, with regard to his tax minimization strategies, which we'll get into, says at Savoy admits, quote, I'm not a tax expert by any standard. I do not have the knowledge to assess if Irving Oil is paying what it ought to pay in taxes. Uh, if I, but if I can tell the story of, of how they did it, achieve their success, it may inspire entrepreneurs throughout the maritime provinces to say, if these guys and gals could build a business that has had global reach... Uh, that's been in, it's been in business for nearly a hundred years, and that's been a resounding success story. That has had its head office in St. John. And maybe we can give it a go. Now let's not ask any more ta- uh, tax questions and just relax with a cool glass of Irving brand turnip juice. <laughs> it, it really well, is and should inspire entrepreneurs though to get into those uh, you know businesses that have like low capital startup costs that you can really get into in your garage right like shipbuilding oil refining yep. um private security what, private security uh, yeah dry, you know, paper uh, drywall manufacturing yeah. the drywall manufacturing the, uh, yeah materials manufacturing, used in drywall manufacturing uh, all of the shops most of the single family homes in new Brighton, st john <laughs> You you could you could tomorrow with like a hundred Canadian dollars start a forestry business by growing uh, yellow pine in your garage. That's um, right. Hydroponically. <laughs> Excuse me, it's oh. white pine up there, not yellow pine. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> I, I, so I understand why this book was so good. Uh, it's because Donald Savoy, like so many important and worthy people in New Brunswick, is describes himself as a close personal friend of Arthur Irving. Oh wow! So, oh. Oh. Yeah, so that's how we got the inside scoop. It's I a think. small place; everyone knows each other. Yeah. Oh, so you're so all of a sudden you're saying that like like we shouldn't have just we shouldn't be friends with your neighbors just because they own everything. <laughs> uh, right, so uh, that's that. That is uh, Donald Savoy. I, I I wanted to corroborate what uh, Professor Savoy was saying. Right. So it's the the but I, I looked right. The the Irvings actually yeah they. Their empire, no one knows how much is actually in it because it's all private. Um, but uh, and they're also famously very private people. Um, like they they essentially try to stay out of the media as much as possible. It's so weird. Um, That's so strange that a that a family who runs a network of businesses with a economic stranglehold of an entire province uh, would be private about. Yeah, well, it's they don't want they don't want to seem uh, grandiose. Uh, it's is weird this, that none of, none of the journalists want to cover them, considering you know they they own the newspaper. You'd think they'd you know want to want to talk to the owners every once in a while, but eh. <laughs> but look, no one cares about the oil derrick that's currently burning in uh, just outside of town when there's a dog fashion show going on. Exactly. <laughs> so um, yeah, they are essentially they're they're everywhere. Uh, I actually I have a, a list. Uh, we we did a a fun little bit where we all at the same time just said li- lists of things that they do. I have an actual approximate list of some of the things they do. They own the largest forestry company, logging, pulp, and paper, sawmills, and manufacturing of paper products, 
They own and operate Canada's largest oil refinery. Um, and actually, mostly they import Saudi Aramco oil to refine. So mm. uh, oh they're also reaching out to our international friends and allies. Um, a facility that accounts for approximately 60% of the to- province's total exports of refined oil, extensive long-haul trucking assets, uh, a whole bunch of rail lines, one of which, uh, upon one of which occurred this horrible uh, Lac Megantique disaster. Yes. Um, and also, they are the uh, North America's fourth largest producer of French fries, uh, a leading <laughs> shipbuilding outfit in Canada, uh, which again has come under scrutiny for building bad ships. Um, <laughs> a number of translation services, like language translation services, cargo ships themselves, a towing company, an office supply wholesaler, a chain of home hardware stores, and also they build prefabricated and custom homes. And they also own most of the single-family homes in St. John, or at least a Bermuda-based holding company seems to own many of the single-family homes in St. John. So who can say? Um, a crane company, a construction company, several sports teams, and basically everything else everywhere else. Uh and also, uh, newspapers. You've said they own every <laughs> they, newspaper. They own every newspaper, save for one, I believe. A French-speaking uh, one. I think, a I French don't think they one, own yes. the Acadian. Wow. I just, uh, speaking of, I was just looking up the Irving French Fry plant, um, and I was trying to see, have I consumed Irving French fries in my life? I definitely have. Um, mm-hmm. How I, were they? That, um, you know, I think during that time in my life, I was doing a lot of opiates, so I don't okay. uh, don't remember. <laughs> right. But uh, uh, I mean, but what, really good. I yeah, guess. yeah, they're. Yeah, I guess they must be really good. Everything these guys do seems to be pretty good. Yeah, based yeah. on what I've heard in the media. Um, <laughs> but one one uh, cool thing they did related to French fries is uh, they got a forty million dollar industrial benefit credit for an Alberta French fry factory as part of a contract to provide the Royal Canadian Navy with new Arctic and offshore patrol ships. So as part of that procurement, they got yeah. forty million dollars for their uh, French fry factory. This makes sense. Come on, yeah. what are you talking about? Duh. Yeah, well, I it's, I don't see why you wouldn't do that. I. What do you want to have the sailors go hungry? Ugh. This is a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, also, you're body shaming the sailors now. Yeah, uh, French well. fries make make for great hull integrity on uh, on <laughs> patrol ships. <laughs> you know, um, so uh, there has there has been some uh, very good uh, reporting on uh, on the Irvings. Uh, so I've drawn on some of it for this uh, by Bruce Livesey for Canada's National Observer. Uh, so I strongly recommend. Uh, that you check that out if you get the chance. Um, but this is in one of the Irving's responses to one of Bruce Livesey's um, uh, 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 sort of broadsides against them for their you know, horribleness regarding the media, uh, that the company disputes this, saying in a statement that, quote, the newspapers have editorial independence and report objectively on Irving-owned enterprises. They also frequently publish commentary and letters, both critical and supportive of the Irvings, Critical, such as, why can't they do more? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> reflecting the views in the community. Again, also the, the, the positive ones, which are like, if I don't say that they're great, they'll fire me and I'll, I'll never work in New Brunswick again. Uh, and newspapers have independent, have independent journalists and editors who are given free reign to report on matters of public interest, which should close the book on everything, I guess. Yeah, yeah I, I was that worried. Sounds I pretty that. good to me. I I think they're probably doing pretty good based on that. Um, I yeah, I guess that's the episode, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, uh, so congratulations to the Irvings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were worried about undue influence, and then I guess I forgot I wrote that down in the notes. So I'm yeah. sorry to for having wasted your time. 
Um, so uh, anyway, but I did sort of do a little bit of looking. Um, the New Brunswick Telegraph Journal uh, ran an editorial in 2017 complaining that the Energy East pipeline, which had been canceled, which would have taken um, tar sands oil across uh, the east eastern Canada over to be processed and exported at the Irvings when the Irvings refinery. Obviously, this is something they really wanted and pushed heavily for. Uh, the editorial suggested that the cancellation of the pipeline was tantamount to a murder. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> <The> police. Pipe- <laughs> my pipeline has been murdered. Um, well, look what I they mean, did to my boy. Pipelines are uh, God's creatures, too. I mean, let's let's get real here. They got feelings. They got desires and emotions. <laughs> Well, it's the, the article right. said, uh, and this was also quoted in the National Observer, uh, the pipeline is now the victim of first-degree murder, yet the weapon was not <laughs> Macbeth's dagger or Brutus's sword, but a soft, warm, fuzzy pillow with which the pipeline was smothered. Oh, my uh, God. O- only the best journalists <laughs> smothered a pipeline. Say, yeah. Who wrote this? Uh, I don't know. It's, uh, they, uh, interestingly enough, uh, it's hard to find uh, archived copies of the New Brunswick Telegraph Journal's editorials. Mm. Wow. <laughs> it's much easier to find them referred to in other places. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like the McDonald Laurier Institute oh, list of donors. Sorry. Excuse me. No, I have found, however, who wrote this. Uh, it was written by, uh, a, by a Canadian senator. Um <laughs> Which was uh, very fun. It was written by a senator, uh, so a member of our uh, upper house. Nice. Uh, you can actually still find the full text uh, of the of the article uh, on the uh, senator's website uh, if you want to. Uh, if you want to understand how a um, pipeline can be murdered, um, so the the following uh, headline uh, was written by a Canadian senator, so a national senator. Uh, who represented New Brunswick, um, a man by the name of Percy Mockler. Uh, as NAFTA talks near collapse, scrapping Energy East is especially tragic for New Brunswick. Um, so, you know, we are absolutely representing all views on the pipeline from uh, that it is a tragedy or it's a murder, effectively. Mm-hmm. This is a range of community views. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the thing is, they also they give, they give back. They give to charity. For example, Brunswick News Incorporated has uh, endowed chairs of journalism, uh, the Irving <laughs> oh, Chair in Journal, the Irving Chair in Journalism at St. Thomas University in Fredericton, and the Romeo LeBlanc Chair, chair in Journalism at the Université de Moncton. Um, and uh, they also provide scholarships and all this. And I found this information. It was cited in an article by a woman named uh, Lisa Hrabluk. Uh, and the article was entitled "Irving Gifts About Education, Not Influence" in the St. John Telegraph Journal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you got to think these these local papers in um in St. John and Moncton and places like that, they're pretty big. They're not just going to source from local universities, right? And these yeah. universities that students probably have lots of prospects to go do journalism elsewhere, right? So, you know, I I I don't I I dispute the amount of influence that this would be able to garner. Right. Yeah, well, Obviously, <laughs> they said they say that you shouldn't let it influence you. So there this it is. This is also mm-hmm. true. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, but also, right. Like uh, here, I just a, a f- one of my favorite things in researching this was finding instances of things that happened uh, and then how 
uh, the Telegraph uh, Journal uh, covered them. So uh, here is here is one. So uh, Al- Alan Rock uh, made some favorable policy decisions affecting the Irving Empire uh, after he like was hosted like on their jet or whatever. Um, the Globe and Mail said Rock faces new conflict of interest questions, uh, and yet in New Brunswick, uh, the headlines were Rock defends Irving trip or audit of Irving deal shows no evidence of conflict <laughs> or no conflict in fishing trip. Nothing to see here. <laughs> this, this, uh-huh. is, this is stuff the liberal media won't report on. <laughs> yeah, it's just woke. It's woke yeah. to say the other thing. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Uh, and also, uh, let's see, uh, so another MP was benefiting from like flying on their train, uh, flying on their train, flying on their plane rather, man, if only they'd invent a flying train, huh? We got to give uh, them more businesses. Uh, yes, exactly. Um, well, the, the headline, I the mean, headline, when the hyperloop, uh, when the, the Canadian hyperloop between Edmonton and Calgary is finally built, then yeah, and Fort Lauderdale. Then we'll, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, the, the coverage of that was Bradshaw free flight scandal overblown. <laughs> yeah, it's like whatever. People, people shouldn't worry about this stuff. They should really worry about, you know, stuff like is the pipeline getting built? Um, how is this going to bring jobs to New Brunswick? Um, and they should they should, you know, maybe get some glowing reports on our captains of industry or singular captain of industry. Mm-hmm. Which, well, our our three brothers who are now the, three, the, the three co-captains brothers, yes. of industry <laughs> are the two brothers now. Uh, one of them is dead. Which is it gassy that that or greasy? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was their awful, awful names. God, this entire family is just so fucking annoying. <laughs> um, right. So uh, let's. With all that background in place, let's do a little bit of biography. Let's learn how an ice-chewing 19th century Presbyterian sociopath basically permanently <laughs> disfigured New Brunswick and is now working his way through the surrounding states and provinces. Um, so he was born in uh, 1899 to a, uh, to a Scottish immigrant. And so immediately, if you think Scottish immigrant to Canada in 1899, you know, we, you know that you're talking to someone who's like, really interested in inventing a special cereal that keeps you from jacking off too joyless to stay in edinburgh you know yes absolutely uh you know there's there was too much celebration and and fun happening in uh the blasted (laughs) heaths of scotland (laughs) had to had to immigrate to canada to uh start my own kind of new presbyterianism Um, so he was, he was basically, he was actually raised in a relatively well-to-do family. Uh, but, but basically like his dad, James, uh, who was like owned like a, a shop and several lumber mills, uh, gave him, uh, and this is from a McLean's article in the sixties, a quasi religious regard for the value of money. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. And, Good. uh, so <laughs> what happened was. Irving, and this is this is exactly like a, you know you wonder who runs the New Brunswick economy. It's uh, K. C. Irving, who's like the this the guy who was descended from his father James, worked in his father's general store after school and raised a flock of ducks in the backyard. When neighbors complained about the racket they raised, he killed all of them and sold them at a hundred dollar profit. So you can just imagine this this blank eyed Scott like sort of dour Presbyterian child just working his way through twenty five or so ducks, yeah, just staring because you asked him to kill, just staring you right in the eyes. Uh, yeah, 
He's like the, the opposite of Tony Soprano. He's, uh, he's, just, he's just murdering them, and he calls them by name as he does it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> by so Quacky, by Ducky. Wadey, <laughs> Maca, Roos. <laughs> um, and he made his first $100 from killing all of his pets. That does really illustrate the uh, Protestant Catholic split, though. Tony Soprano's uh, emotional meltdown over ducks migrating and uh, this sociopath just... <laughs> What is that adjusted for for the bill approach? (laughs) Grist for my precious mill. Ah, grist for the bill. Because they're ducks. Yes. Yes. That's right. Uh, Absolutely are. I wonder Um, what that $100 profit is adjusted for inflation. How many Xboxes could he buy? Probably he would only buy them to sell them because he knows that uh, if he ever has fun, uh, he has to beat himself non-sexually. Oh, yeah, there's a new Irving kid doing this, but with Bitcoin right now. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, the, 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 like, just the third generation failed clone of this, like, you know, like, soulless <laughs> business operator who's now just, like, trying to be, like, a wealth fluencer. <laughs> I gotta say, I prefer the less effective guy. Yeah. Um. Right, so... uh. We uh, what, basically, you know, it's this is from this article in the '60s. Um, no one has found a wholly logical explanation for Irving's phenomenal success, but hard work is one phrase everyone falls back on sooner. Um, and uh, Casey Irving uh, works 14 hours a, a day to 16 hours a day, 18 hours a day, all day, every day. Does not smoke. Does not drink. Never listens to music. Does not look at paintings. Does not read. And <laughs> it's haram. It's all haram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, this guy is, is he's just like Protestant business ISIS. Yeah. <laughs> um and uh even though he owns some of the world's greatest salmon fishing streams, uh he never fishes. He just never does anything except bring more people under his power so that he might um basically expose them to his uh you know, a poorly paid, abstemious work ethic that demands sort of um, that you break yourself on the sawmill, more or less, so that you might be morally improved. I, I feel of, like, oh. yeah, please. I was I was just going to say I feel like this is somehow like borne out by like the physical geography of where Irving plants are. I mean, yeah. think about New Brunswick; it has one like one interesting geographical feature: the reversing falls. And they just plop the Irving paper mill right next to it. <laughs> oh, yo, you wouldn't want to look at the waterfall. You might forget to think about how scared you are of God. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so he basically made a number of uh, misadventures um, uh, when he made the mistake of leaving his uh, small hometown of Boktouche, um, such as trying to join the army. Then his father was like, no, you can't join the army. Uh, trying to start various businesses, uh, trying to join the Royal Flying Corps, which he successfully joined, uh, but then never saw any action. Man was um, never meant to fly. <laughs> no, it's, it's flying might be too too exhilarating. I might accidentally enjoy it. That's his yeah. one little spark of rebellion. <laughs> so uh, he basically acquired agencies to sell uh, Ford cars. Uh, and I assume distributed a lot of Ford's literature, uh, and also uh, right. oil from Imperial Oil, um, and basically kept growing his business out of like a combination of resentments 
and uh, daddy issues. So, for example, he bought his dad out of his lumber business, and he only stopped. He only started his oil business because um, other businessmen didn't were grumbling about the fact that they had to buy their oil from one of their competitors in another field, um, and so petitioned Imperial Oil to set up their own um, tank in the town. And so then uh, Casey Irving, basically out of pure resentment, started another oil company <laughs> to try to make everyone think twice before crossing him again. Love an empire what, built on spite. Yes. I, th- I mean, his, I, I, what, all I can see is that it could possibly be spite. Because I, 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 it's, it's not just a normal monopoly. It's very local and it's very hateful. I, I assume his dad was at least as fucked up as he was. What the hell did his dad do in retirement? <laughs> I, I, I don't know how uh, his dad died. Hair shirts. I imagine, um, yeah. I, I, I imagine I, his died. His dad like probably like get choked to death on a kind of like oat bar that keep an oat bar that like is supposed to dull your sense of color. <laughs> I, I I'm just imagining he's out of the lumber business and now he's got nothing to do and he doesn't enjoy anything so he spends a day staring at drywall. <laughs> someone someone accidentally uh, got pepper on his favorite meal of one single boiled potato on a giant plate and he died of a heart attack. <laughs> so uh, he in one time um, a a uh, uh, he. A group of uh, he complained to a group of pulp producers uh, that one member of the government has said my interests are too vast. Um, but then he he followed that up with too much of this thinking can cause New Brunswickers to become outsiders, which sets the tone for how Irving has interacted with the New Brunswick sort of government and the public state of New Brunswick, in as much as it is supposed to represent the people who live in New Brunswick, uh, which is fear. Uh, if you don't do everything I say, give me everything I want. Give me every subsidy I ask for. Never charge me. It's like um, I think he pays five hundred thousand. Irving pays like five hundred thousand dollars a year in tax for an oil facility that in another uh, that in Alberta would command like ninety five percent more. Like is every sweetheart tax deal under the sun. He pays awful ra- wages and. Um, has historically always paid awful wages. Uh, it is one of the biggest union busters in the in the country. Uh, and every time anyone has ever tried to solve any of these problems, he says, if you try to solve this problem in this one sector, I'll just leave with everything. And then no one has a job because I've taken all the capital away. I was going through some labor history uh, of Irving last night, and it's incredible how absolutely hated the Irving family is in in uh, organized labor circles in this well, country. Uh, please, pl- let's, uh, oh, yeah. what, what, I mean, I've got some highlights here, but uh, Dan, do you have any highlights you want to uh, want to sort of uh, uh, bring to the fore? Um, the, well, the, the the one that strikes me the most is just driving his car into picketers. Is that right? Yeah. Well, he's basically he he kind of almost foresaw what American like culture war uh, conservatives would want to do, which is every time they imagine like BLM like inconveniencing them in any way is just kill ten of them with a car. So Irving kind of prefigured right. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This this is what I want to know is is you know this is a, this is a company which is not. You know, Irving's not a tech company, right? They own lots of physical plant and equipment. Like, I feel like you could call this guy's bluff, and there's so much physical plant and equipment to move, they wouldn't be able to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. I, I think the thing is, right, and this is something I kind of wanted to 
you know, sort of touch on as well, sort of the theory of this almost, which is that, yeah, you, you, you would, that, would, that would require sort of his bluff to be called, right? Because the relationship between New Brunswick and Irving is kind of the same as the relationship between like the BC NDP and log and like uh, old growth logging companies and, and, and oil pipeline builders, right? Which is that we know what you want to do, which is you want to have one or more businesses that is basically all about um, extracting the sort of um, natural wealth of Canada and then, you know, refining and selling it. Um, we, uh, so, so our job is to make that happen. And what has happened in New Brunswick is that relationship is just less mediated by committees and consultations and stuff. And it's just, they just put one of their guys as the premier, you know, it's, so they've improved it, is what you're saying. They've created right. a, fr- a frictionless form of uh, It's a much more efficient form yeah, of it, Canadian governance, because that's what it does anyway. It's just more efficient here. It's very, very streamlined. No one has to go sit in meetings, actually. That's, you know, you really improve the productivity of government that way. So I, I guess this big, big win for labor productivity here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's... And the other thing, right, is we say, oh yeah, well he can threaten to leave all those, um, all those, uh, you know, mills and so on. And yeah, well he can't really take them. But uh, he's always, I think it, it goes back to like, you know, Yastik, like what is money? What is capital? It's you know the ability. It's basically the, it's, it's it's many things. It's will. It's that social relation. It's his ability to well, his control of capital, direct labor how he wants, and sort of enjoy tyranny over um, the uh, the other people that live in New Brunswick, and so. I think he's he's always was just saying I can't move the plants, but I can just have them stop working and use the money that I have, which is significant, to build my plants elsewhere. What are you going to do? Take them over yourself? Because it's not as though the the infrastructure for that, the Canadian government, makes sure that doesn't really exist. So it's his. Well, he can't move his physical plants. I mean, it's it's more worth it, I think, for him to be able to say, make the credible threat that I might leave anyway. Because he does it all, he did it all the time, and now his three stupid sons, who are all you know, or who are all well, the two of them are old, one of them is dead. They don't really even have to make the threat anymore, because the province is sort of so completely captured that no one's no one's making them. So it sort of has almost passed out of relevance that they're sort of such a physically that they are that they are a conglomerate of place, a feudal conglomerate basically, where they're just the lords of the manor who own everything. Because no, every because now in order to be, get a, a position of power in New Brunswick, you have to doff your cap to the Irvings and realize that they're more important to you than the voters of New Brunswick. Realistically, um, that makes sense. <laughs> so, uh, and they've also basically been like writing a lot of the. And again, Canada does this all the time. Like we've talked about this on our episode about about CETA, um, Canadian sort of a development organization, or it was once called that. Which where their thing is they go into a place with lots of uh, mineral resources, then they helpfully write the in governance improvement programs, rewrites that company's um, you know um, mineral uh, extraction regulations such that Canadian companies benefit. The Irvings do the same thing just with look, New Brunswick. Look, man, Romania, you know Romania in the mid 1990s, they had some crazy laws on the books about not putting cyanide in the river close to large population centers. And what you got to remember is uh, this country was communist. And do you want to listen to communists? No. I was about to no. say, I mean, I, I've always said the solution to pollution is dilution, <laughs> right? <laughs> Parts per million, baby. That's yeah. so many. Parts per million. That's a huge yeah. number. It's a- 
We're taking wow, a homeopathic. We're taking a homeopathic approach to cyanide. Uh, oh yeah, you say increased cancer rates. I see. I see these populations having a remarkable resistance to cyanide. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, when did you get a job at the Telegraph Journal? <laughs> oh, I, I just. Uh, I'm, I'm actually starting um, next week, but I decided to read up uh, beforehand. Um, you know, in order to improve my. Uh, my my viewpoints um so uh here's some of the laws right um that have been pa- more or less like passed in their favor or, or even written by them which is that uh the sort of irving forestry company with the approval of the lieutenant governor uh in council this is in 51 may without the consent of the owner thereof or any person interested therein enter upon take possession of or expropriate and use such lands and privileges easements servitudes rights and interests in such and appertaining to such lands, um, including riparian rights, but excluding mineral rights, the company shall deem necessary or useful. Basically, if you have a tree in your yard, New Brunswick drafted a law that said the Irvings can come and take it uh, whenever they want without telling you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Lords of the land. <laughs> Love it. And if you cut down Love that it. tree, that's potentially their property, and then you have to be flogged with the cat of nine. If... If you need a tree removed on your property, will Irving come and do it for free? Uh, ooh, that sounds mm, like you question. want all of their businesses to leave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you could say how much has changed, but uh, New Brunswick loses money on crown land logging by the Irvings carry out. The New Brunswick actually subsidizes the Irving concern a great deal to this day. <laughs> Well, I'm sure they're paying their fair share of taxes uh, provincially. <laughs> but very little has changed because uh, New Brunswick still loses money on logging from its crown lands. Um, and uh, the, it's actually, they spend more money managing the forests than they do from the profit of the logging companies that take the forest, take from the forests that they manage. Because basically the Irvings just get to write the regulations. <laughs> because if they don't write the regulations, it's- they'll leave. Because they could, it's because of control, and I think just I sort of want to sort of have because you've spoken on this sort of before. I've sort of seen you talk about this in Like Megantic and other podcasts and so on. Is their control of it is futile, right? They're, they uh, they have the power right. of God almost. They basically do have the power of God because they control so much of the industry, um, you know. And these these um, I mean, there's no there's nothing new about you know making money off of. Uh, crown lands or federal lands here in the United States on logging or something like that. Um, you know, but these, these, uh, they, they control, you know, a huge portion of the industry. I mean, I'm all the way down here in Philadelphia and I see Irving lumber on trains rolling through all the time. Um, you know, and that this, these, uh, the, the, just the fact that they're able to do this in such a way that it's a loss for the province, um, you know, they're making a loss on just land. You know, that's incredible. Um, and I'm sure, you know, there's the, it, it does remind me of it, it is feudalism. I mean, it like quite literally like you're in in the king's forest. You can't poach the king's trees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and there is there is this sense, even though there is this kind of democratic veneer uh, over it of a modern state. Many of the same conditions abide, because you you have your your priest class that sort of um that reminds you that you are uh your your place in the social order is good and necessary. Uh, you have the uh, sort of 
that you have the, the king's clerks, the king's serfs, the king's managers, the king's army in the case that they actually have a security firm as well. Um, and the, the presence is much more um, physical than it is with other industries that seek to dominate uh, you know, the, the government system. I think just through the Irving gas stations, honestly, mm-hmm. because you know, they, are, they are the only service stations in New Brunswick. Um, you know, and they have sort of the, they have the big stops, you know, which is like a, you know, sort of a, a, a giant convenience store. They have, um, the way I always described it when I was up in that area is, uh, the Irving stations were like a sort of evil Wawa. <laughs> right. Um, okay. <laughs> evil Wawa, like a malign loves. Yes, exactly. It's, uh, it's, um, like a, um, uh, it, 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 it's the, it, it, it's the regional gas station chain, which is impugned with hate and misery. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the Ontario colon is uh, en route. Uh, so what we, he, the, Casey Irving, um, as, as he dies, puts all of these basically uh, ill-gotten assets into a series of complex trusts, or before he dies, rather, puts all of these ill-gotten trusts in uh, companies and, and benefits and all this into a series of trusts in Bermuda, um, where he then moves and only will w- so evade Canadian taxes, which again I think he believes are uh, probably he believes are sinful uh, because <laughs> they will provide someone uh, food that might make them jack off. They haven't had to like you know labor for forty hours for. Um, <laughs> yes. and uh, they might buy a painting that they will look at <laughs> with. The- <laughs> uh, and his three sons um, take over the business on the condition that they also have to move their residency out of Canada. So they can also establish trust here. He's basically reaching out from beyond the grave to make sure that his oh money God. never uh, is touched by the tax man. To make sure that to make <laughs> sure that he is his the feudal status of the Irvings is not sort of watered down but through the claims of the Pope or uh, or poorly advised marriages. Um, his three terrible children were uh, nicknamed Gassy, Greasy, and Oily. Um, uh, there were Jack, Arthur, Fantastic. and James, um, and uh, 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 so um, th- th- so James uh, was the forest and wood products business. Uh, Arthur, personal friend of Donald Savoy, uh, was the um, uh, 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 real estate guy. Uh, sorry, Jack was the real estate newspapers guy, and then Arthur was the oil guy, um, and uh, they were again, you know, uh, hated. Uh, all of them by uh, the uh, people who they uh, tormented on a daily basis, uh, protected <laughs> as they were by the law. Um, oh, uh, and, and so if you want to get a sense of how petty they are as well, I think the story of the of the Moncton Wildcats uh, is a really good one. Uh, uh, so basically, Moncton, the city of Moncton, out of the money that it raises through taxes, uh, is $88,000 of that. So in the sense of sort of companies and taxes, not a whole hell of a lot. In the sense of individuals, quite a hell of a lot. Um, is paid annually to the uh, Wildcats hockey team. Um, but it's paid... Uh, it's actually a uh, grant, an agreement, a separate agreement that was signed between the city council and the Wildcats that basically the city would pay the Wildcats... Um, for the privilege of not setting up corporate boxes in the arena. So for, not, for the crime of not having corporate boxes in the arena, the city paid the team, which is owned by the Irvings, $88,000. 
um, which is part of the lease contract between uh, the city and the Irving-owned team. Um, and interestingly, though, uh, minutes of a private council meeting in 2010 indicate something different, which is that uh, the $88,000 was paid to the Wildcats on the condition that the Irvings would build a diaper factory <laughs> uh, in the Moncton <laughs> Industrial Park. Because the Irvings just said, okay, well, we won't build... We, we, we need you to, sh- to tip your cap. We need a show of fealty. We need an amount of money that is nothing to us, that doesn't affect us at all. But we need to remind you that you're fucking nothing. And that you're, gonna, you're going to pay us because you don't give our hockey team corporate boxes or whatever, or we're not going to put our diaper factory in your town. Just so petty and punitive. Yeah, I think the uh, the the St. John Stadium has a a, a similar, uh, but you know not well. It has another Irving influence story behind it. the The Harbor Stadium was built on the site of the St. John Union Station, which went out of use because when the Irvings bought all the railroads in the area, they said, "Well, we don't want these passenger trains fucking up our freight train schedules or lack thereof," mm-hmm. and so they kicked all the freight train all the passenger trains out of the province. And then demolished uh, the train stations, <laughs> um, and then and then they wound up with this nice new uh, hockey arena mm. for whatever the hell whatever the hell the uh, the team is in St. John, yeah. um, right on the. And then of course they bought up all the bus companies, so that, you know I think Maritime Bus was owned by Irving. I don't think it is anymore because it stopped making money. So now the province subsidizes that. Oh, well, that's good. And they run absolute minimal services. Um. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's. I think it goes to show really how like the biggest sort of curtailer of freedom in in sort of you know you might say modern mo- whatever you don't call it modern life really is it's it is. I mean, anyone who listens to this podcast probably agrees with this already, but it's not the government taking some kind of like right to live without taxes from you. It's these guys saying, "I don't want you to have a train, so you don't have a train anymore." You know, uh, I. Yes. I, um, by the way, that that um, the taxes you're paying, some of that has to go to me, um, a trivial amount, or else uh, I won't put my uh, diaper factory in your town. Uh, it's 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 quite literally fealty, yeah. yes. <laughs> indeed. <laughs> and you know, um, we say we when they um, when uh, 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 when labor organizing happens in an Irving properties again, yeah, like you say, Dan, they um. They just draw. They try to drive over them because I think honestly, someone like Casey Irving is aghast at the idea that anyone would refuse his spiritual improvement through labor. I think I think Absolutely. it makes him angry. It angers him. Yeah, he's like, he's like an angrier, less funny Mr. Burns. <laughs> well, he's very mad that you aren't uh, accepting his spiritual improvement because he knows that none of these these labor organizers will receive rewards in heaven for uh, upsetting the natural Which, order. by the way, they're going to fast. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> From the bumper of his truck. Um, right. So uh, he... He, but he sort of he ended up right um, getting charged for reckless driving, but those charges were withdrawn. Um, and then Irving actually got an injunction against the strikers, uh, claiming that the strike was illegal because it was interfering with his business. Um, <laughs> can't argue with that logic. <laughs> nope. Yeah, uh, the that was a, a strike that basically broke the uh, that that broke that union. 
Um, and uh, this is and this is this is not um, not infrequent. This is actually a comment from uh, a Reddit thread of someone who's just talking about their experience with this, which is that um, Greenline Irving had a um, division called Greenline Transport, uh, which was around until the truckers decided to unionize, um, and then uh, when he found out they were, then uh, shut it down, even though it was profitable. <laughs> it's like no. You oh, need yeah. to be subservient to this. <laughs> so you must be subservient to me. It doesn't matter if it's making money. Uh, it's that you are below me, uh, and that. Well, yes, he, he has principles yeah. and an ideology. <laughs> uh, and one, um, at one point though, uh, he uh, when there was a pattern for a battle for national pattern bargaining being fought uh, over some major strikes in the energy industry. Um, so where uh, the refinery workers at uh, Irving's manu- uh, fact refinery were demanding the same wages paid to other workers at comparable refineries. Again, Irving's like, well, no, you work for me. And that's like in spiritual improvement alone. Um, I'm already overpaying you. Um, so they uh, there was basically, again, the newspapers, courts and police, which are captured by Irving completely, were completely against the strikes. Um and even like the Globe and Mail, which wasn't even captured by Irving, was also completely against them all as well. Um, but uh, re- refinery workers uh, burned Irving in effigy, which was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as an industrialist, you're not doing it right unless people are uh, burning you in effigy, <laughs> you know? Um, and so uh, but this is, this is uh, from a study of media representations of an Irving oil refinery strike in the 1990s. Um, and where, uh, essentially, you know, um, the, uh, the, the, where uh, the media represented Irving bringing in scabs as an, as a lot, as a boon for New Brunswick fiscal, New Brunswick's fiscal health strikers are always re- uh, represented as, uh, obstinate, crazy, um, harming everyone by stopping the flow of oil, um, and, uh, again, this is not just Irving Papers. This is the Globe and Mail as well, which has never found a uh, sort of petty despot that uh, it didn't support so long as that petty despot was involved in the Western system. Um, so, but what's, what's interesting, right, as well, is um, that after the uh, strike was broken, um, the uh, company engaged in a blacklisting of all of the strikers uh, and then, and this is also in the um, paper about uh, the representation of the strike in the media, but it goes into some of the rep- repercussions of it, which is that uh, all employees who returned to work had to go to a hotel for two weeks uh, with uh, yeah, it's basically like a Mohammed bin Salman did to his family. I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah where, uh, M- so, um, uh, uh, Casey bin Irving um, <laughs> basically trapped all of his workers in a hotel uh, with uh, a bunch of like dead-eyed freaks from an American consulting firm called the Boston Innovation Group, where they had to undergo um, <laughs> a program called Expect Excellence. Um, oh my boy! They learned how to yes. vent emotions, deal with problem people, and then participate in a public declaration uh, of, I assume, loyalty. So for they're the doing. Uh, they're doing. They're doing a Maoist struggle session, well, like the the opposite but, of one. The opposite, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) this is. I I was reading through this, and this is like a classic example of est uh, landmark, but but like used as a weapon for labor compliance. You know, synonym. It's synonym, but for labor compliance, yeah. It's a no. Um, 
basically, uh, they needed to like, and workers weren't paid until they passed the whole program of like an oh, ideological God. deprogramming, uh, which also includes like apologizing to scabs they were mean to. <laughs> oh, my oh my God! God. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, they had to read a book called Danger in the Comfort Zone from Boardroom to Mailroom, How to Break the Entitlement Habit That's Killing American Business. So, oh, for- <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty bad, right? Uh, it's yeah. pretty bad. I, I, I can't imagine anyone came out of that um, anything other than just bruised and broken. Yeah, um, yeah it's like... I- I mean, you're probably not coming back with renewed resolve, but I don't think you're 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 just you just turn people into shells. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what that's what yeah. feudal leaders that's what feudal leaders did when the peasants rebelled. You know, well they they this did much true. worse physically, but you know the 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 sort of outbreak of violence or the in this case the outbreak of humiliation that's designed to say, okay, well now you must be punished because you forgot where you are, you forgot who you are. I, I kind of, if I were in this situation, I'd be kind of like, could you just give me the lash? Just give me the lashes. Just get it over with. Yeah, yeah, just come on. <laughs> we know the point is cruelty. Uh, like, just, yeah, just, just hit do me quick. with a stick or something. Come on. <laughs> yeah, just hit me on the head with your cane. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love the idea of just like railing Zoloft so I can pass the uh, bitterness test at the <laughs> Yeah. So, in the, na- in the name of capitalism, we're sending you to this. Irving re-education camp. <laughs> but I, the, you're we're sending shit. You to, you're worthless. You shouldn't expect anything. You are lower we, than a dog. <laughs> we built a, we built this gulag, but for capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's um. Oh, oh god. <laughs> And I mean, you know, the thing is, right, if you want to talk about the Irvings, you almost can't do You can't. I mean, you almost can't. You can't in the space of an hour because you'll miss so much. Right. Um, like, for example, uh, they like they have a stri- there's a reason that like the college professors that write about the Irvings do so in glowing terms is because the college professors that don't write about the Irvings in glowing terms. For example, every fucking glyphosate researcher, every Roundup researcher in all the universities in New Brunswick finds themselves out of jobs and unemployable in the province. Right. And there, there's that. There's like how much, the, how much the money they, they sort of trade back and forth with the Saudis. Uh, there's, yeah, every, all of their critics, they've gotten fired. Everyone trying to start competing businesses that they've crushed out of spite. Uh, all of the people they've poisoned, all of everything. There's even, there's even uh, where they, um, they have an industrial security uh, company. So they have a, a little private army um, that uh, basically... Uh, Taunted uh, Signigatog warriors. Uh, sorry, I don't know if I pronounce. I, yeah, I don't know. If, I'll try that again. Uh, that uh, taunted uh, the Signigatog Warriors Society, which was protesting um, fracking. Which, by the way, they're really in support of uh, the Irvings. Um, S- the shale gas extraction, SWN Resources. Uh, they were protesting like the, like the um, you know the uh, illegal encroachment uh, onto their land, um, and the uh, Ir- Ir- the Industrial Security Limited, the Irving Company. Um, just baited them or essentially either baited or just lied about how aggressive they were and had the RCMP arrest them all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they have their own, they, they even, they even have their local Pinkertons. They are, it's what it is. 
is the idea that there that New Brunswick will not that will suffer somehow and they will suffer as well if they don't have a crushing hold over everything and humiliate everyone who even thinks about taking like raising a voice against them. I'd say uh, in, in keeping with the uh, in keeping with the uh, gulag theme, these are more Stasi, I guess. Yep. Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, the NKVD of uh... yeah. And I mean, it's it's it makes you sort of coldly furious just to read about it. Even just the the sort of self satisfaction which with these sociopaths wreak kind of um, just the greatest indignities upon people who can't really do anything about it and deserve and and where every time any one of them whether it's a labor union or a um or 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 like the the warrior society or whatever tries to do anything about it they are uh the irvings sort of combine with their sort of servile pawns in the media the government and the judiciary to uh, crush and humiliate them if only there was some kind of higher federal governing body that could somehow regulate this type of thing. Oh, no, 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 no. It's bad to, no, no, it can't, can't be think? done. I mean, New Brunswick's basically its own country. What do you think this is? The reverse um, Soviet Union? Come on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if we have if we have the federal government regulating things, then they'll have to shut down the capitalism gulags. Yeah, yeah. Well, where will it end? You know, first, first they like, yeah. you know... Um, break the uh the sort of humiliating stranglehold that the irving this one family has over uh life for everyone in this political region and then no one will own a toothbrush all right yeah exactly um yeah. where will the reverse stasi work <laughs> <laughs> checkmate um but and so i I, just knowing sort of that we've sort of just by necessity missed lots of stuff. Dan, so you you pulled out a quote sort of towards the end of that 50s McLean's article, but I think really highlights oh, yeah. how Irving is a template for a type of Canadian business sociopath. Yeah, I'm going to I'm just going to read this quote. Um, it's it's about Irv- it's it's about Irving uh, giving money to charity. Mm-hmm. And the quote is. If Irving gives much money to charity and his friends and his friends insist he does, the public never hears a word about it. When a St. John curling club was collecting money for a new rink, a canvasser buttonholed Irving hoping for a fat donation. Certainly, said Irving, put me down for one share, $100. Same as everyone else. The conclusion drawn was that Irving did not want it noised abroad that he controlled the curling club as well. But yeah, I feel like this, um, I feel like we've uncovered or at least identified another type of guy uh, in Canada that is, uh, I think, like the dark antithesis to the oaf mm. who we, we've been trying to chronicle here on, on the Bottleman. And, and this type of guy is just a, like a empathically mummified psychopath, like a psychotic Protestant, mm. you know? Oh, absolutely. It's it's yes. the it it's the it, it, America has one of those guys, which is Warren Buffett, right? The the guy whose whole thing is I may be a billionaire, but I promise to not enjoy it. Um as though that somehow makes it better. You know, I will never I right. will still dressing clothes from Walmart. I'm going to live in like this modest family home. Uh I will treat myself to none of or as far as you know, I will treat myself to none of life's pleasures. Right? But I think there is there is this sense that in um, in Canada that it is our our rich people 
uh, so many more of our rich guys are like this, where they are um, they are, are hardy handed hardy hand hardy handed sons of toil, who are uh, who sort of ha- are, are are rich, but through sort of um, hard work and they love work. So they're lo- they're rich because they love work. They don't love the product of work. They just love working. Um, and this is a kind of, as you say, a, da- a, a dark v- mirror version of the oaf. Whereas the oaf is big and rounded. Again, even if he's, he may be big and rounded in a very phys- in a very physically fit way. He may have big round muscles. But the oaf is a big mm-hmm. round guy in 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 shape. Whether he is uh, uh, thin or or fat, he's always in a very round sense. He lives life in the round. He eats round food like burgers. Um, or turkey yeah, legs, absolutely. You know, like uh, lo- loves to walk in a circle. Yeah. Uh, his mouth is always open. It's a round shape. Mm-hmm. Um, Irving, yes. on the other hand, is the uh, a Scrooge, a kind of a Scrooge that we love because we think that like his Scroogeiness somehow makes us all better, right? He's 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 the moral Scrooge, uh, a Scrooge to aspire yes, to. Yes, aspirational Scrooge, um, and. You know, and I think the the aspirational Scrooge tells a story to the oaf, which is, uh, you too can be can become like me, uh, if you just, uh, and, and it's basically a business success mindset thing, but just a 19th century Presbyterian version of it, which is, if you never jack off, if you never look at a painting, if you treat uh, every day at work like it's a day at the gym, um, if you if you think like you're lifting weights. Uh, then you two can become successful. But don't lift weights. Don't look no, too no, good. No, 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 that's, uh, yeah, that's no. That's you don't want to do that. <laughs> no, no, no. You don't want to do that. Uh, the Scrooge is saying to the oaf, "Your big toe would not be sticking out of your uh, rotten leather boot if you just got your head out of the potato salad trough <laughs> and you know put it in an honest day's work." And if you stop, if you stop chasing that one bee that stung you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> around and around and around. Until you get dizzy and fall asleep and then get back up again. <laughs> and the, 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 the moral Scrooge, the aspirational Scrooge, uh, is there to tell a story about uh, how billions are essentially just a state of mind. It's just the state of mind is um, uh, like uh, Scots-Irish uh, sort of rampant cruelty in the name of purification. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's the only country to like uplift the orangeman, you know, like orangeman thought. <laughs> yeah, that's that. that we're, it's basically the the like, especially e- the eastern seaboard of Canada, uh, but also like all of our you know United Empire loyalists and stuff. It's like the great. It's like when it's it's like uh, the different orangemen of that um, of that uh, 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 poster of the uh, Russian and the Chinese guy. Uh, like banding together to fight the forces of capitalism. <laughs> yes. It's just two yes. different types of like sort of horrific uh, British Protestant sort of uh, all getting together <laughs> to create the reverse Soviet Union. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my. Uh, so I want to tell one more story and that'll take us to our close, um, which is the story of Cavendish Farms in Prince Edward Island. Um, actually, you know what? I, I think nice. we're, no, you know what it is? I'm not going to do that. I think that that was a good place to end it. So please uh, cut out me almost going into Cavendish Farms. Uh, I'm gonna, I think we ended on that because that was a real high. That is a, a nice button. That is a tale for another okay. time. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll go back in here. But anyway, that's all, I, that's all I have to say today about the Irvings. I'm sure it won't be the last time they darken our door uh, here on Bottleman. 
Um, so I just want to say to Justin, thank you so much for coming and spending some time with us today and talking about uh, the uh, most uh, patriotic and uh, generous family in the reverse Soviet Union. Oh, no problem. I just hope I just hope they can do something about them. And I know that like I, I, the left up there is pretty demoralized. Uh, I'm just hoping that someone like Exxon Mobil comes in and buys out Irving Oil. You know, I feel like that's the only solution to this problem. Oh, yeah. Is for finally them to get too big for their britches. Then global capital just, you know, smashes they, they them. Are, that's still a possibility. They are kind <laughs> of. The Green Party needs to reach out to Exxon Mobil to crush the Irving. <laughs> yes. They are kind of a um, kind Kind of an anachronism you're right like they shouldn't exist but yeah. they do <laughs> um so uh let's all so let's all raise a uh, a hearty um a, a red army salute or sort of orange army salute with uh this yeah. uh band, this brass band that's marching around yeah. uh to ex yeah. let's stomp let's stomp around and bang our little drums as loud as possible <laughs> we're all blowing the tuba wearing orange sashes daring someone to fight about yes. fight us about it uh not not us this is us in character is them um <laughs> uh but no uh we it's, this is awful anyway um so don't forget, uh, there is a second episode every week of Bottleman. It is seven bucks every month. Uh, you can uh, pay it and listen to, for example, last week's bonus episode uh, with Nate, uh, Nate Roos, where we talked about uh, the PSAs, or this week's episode uh, with uh, Aaron Bertovo, returning champion, where we are going to be talking about the American guys on Facebook who are angry that the Queen Victoria statues are coming down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of them, I assume, is you, Justin, yes? Uh, oh, obviously, yeah. yeah. I've, I, I'm known for my support of the British. And the statues. Um, <laughs> loves the statues. And the statues, Love yes. statues. Love the British. Love the Queen. Simple as. Don't like it. There's the door. Yes. Uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, so thanks again, Justin, for coming on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the bonus episodes. And maybe let's we all put our hands together and pray. Uh, Exxon will come and uh, humiliate Irving for a change. It's Sa- coming save home. us, save us, President Tillerson. Our people yearn for freedom. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>